This episode is made possible by PwC. Risk exists here, there, and everywhere. Whether it's governance, risk management and compliance, cybersecurity, or financial crime prevention, our risk products can help locate and address risks. At PwC, it adds up to the new equation. Learn more at riskproducts.pwc.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Nolan, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. It's great to have you here, man. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to uh, hang out with us here at the Grit Daily Startup Show. We love to talk about the world of startup, the good, the bad, and what we like to call the gritty. So I'm curious to learn what your experience has been uh, in the startup world. But before we get into all that, let's back up a little bit. Let's help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and your backstory and what really brought you to present day with what you're uh, working on. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm the president and CEO of World Copper Limited. So we're a exploration resource company based out of Canada. Um, so we are a publicly traded company, but you know, in the broader mining world, I guess you would consider us close to being a startup, right? We are pre-revenue, so to speak. We're looking for investors and we're really trying to find the deposits that will become the opportunities for the future for, you know, either development or sale or something like that. Now, my background is engineering. I started my career uh, as a metallurgical engineer. So that's the type of engineer that converts the ore that you take out of the ground into the material that is ultimately sold into the market. So I did that for a number of years. And then I also picked up a finance background along the way. And it really gave me a broad experience in the mining industry of having technical and then operations and finance experience combined. And that's what made me really want to see what I could do on my own and with the team around me, of course, in really getting a mining company off the ground. Amazing. So in that, in that is, uh, was that the beginning of, of what has become uh, World Copper now? Yeah. So World Copper was created by our founder, uh, Hank Van Alphen, who's the chair of our board, uh, but he's more of a deal maker type of guy and he needed somebody uh, like myself who is younger and uh, a little bit more experienced in developing assets and assessing them and and putting them on a path to production and getting it going uh, brought me into the team very early and we've done you know about 80 to 90 percent of the meat of the company's uh, development since i started last april uh, 2021 so yeah uh, the company itself is only about three years old uh, and half that time was private okay cool so yeah. br- break it down for me what how does how does everything work how, how what what does the company do um, for people unfamiliar with this space and how how it all works, what exactly yeah. does copper uh, world copper do? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, every everyone thinks that. Uh, well, not everyone thinks, but you know, mines. People are familiar with that big areas where you mine material uh, and produce a product, gold, silver, copper. In our case, uh, that is ultimately sold. Now, to get to that mine is a process that starts 10, 20, oftentimes thirty or more years previous which is when you have the geologist looking basically at ground and saying, I think I can find gold here. 
And then that's called prospecting, right? You raise money, you get drill programs going, you do scientific work and development work on the asset and build it out till it becomes something that you can find funding for to develop, or you can ultimately sell it to one of what's called the majors, right? So the guys who are already making the money in the mining industry. So we're at the early stages of that process with our company. Uh, you know, there's thousands of them, literally thousands of these companies trading publicly, primarily in Canada, about 70% of them uh, operating globally, looking and assessing different properties, trying to raise money, doing exploration work. Uh, we're like the um, incubators, I guess, of these types of ideas, if you uh, want to try to compare them to a typical tech story. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um I read an article that says investing in copper mining companies over on Grit Daily. Imagine that. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's talk a little bit about you know what what this all looks like as far as investing in copper mining companies. Yeah. So so copper. Do you, you mean as in terms of a long term investment opportunity or how the you know why you would invest in them uh, fundamentally? I'd say both. It's kind of two prong yeah. uh, question there. Yeah. So okay. Well, let's start with the big picture. I mean, copper is a commodity. Uh, it's like oil and gas or, you know, steel or iron. Uh, people think that maybe there's a vast amount of it and there is, but really it's, that means that it's, it's quite sensitive to supply shortages, right? You see uh, when there's a decrease in supply, prices can spike tremendously. Copper is projected to have a serious supply and demand gap forming by 2025. Uh, anyone who follows the industry and analysts can uh, see this and it's driven by growth in electrification. So the average uh, electric vehicle uses four times as much copper in it, for example, than internal combustion engine vehicles, uh, you know, renewables, solar power, wind power use more copper. So as these, as greenification, decarbonization pick up, copper is actually going to be used more. That means more mining, right? And so for an investor to say, how can I benefit from this? You really have to think about where am I going to, and also support the development of this. Really, if you support electrification and decarbonization, you want to be supporting the growth in copper extraction so that you can actually, we can actually have enough supply to fuel these types of endeavors. So looking as an investor, you want to be looking for a, your risk profile, of course, junior mining companies like ourselves, quite risky compared to the blue chips that are out there. You know, that's just the honest truth. But there is a tremendous opportunity for upside, you know, vast multiples. And that's why anyone who invests in you tech startups, uh, they're looking at those five, 10x multiples as well. That's that's kind of what a lot of investors who are searching for in the mining space, too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is this like a is this like a long term investment deal? Obviously, this isn't something you get in and get out what you would do with, like, say, precious metals or something like that. This is more of a long play. Yeah, I mean. Generally, we like to say it is in the mining space, uh, it can take five to 10 years to build a new mine from, and that's after you've established that you actually have something worth mining. You have to go through permitting, you have to go through funding, engineering. It's not a, a very quick and short process. So yeah, it is a buy and hold strategy, I think. Uh, find a nice asset or two, do some research. You know, if people want to learn more about the industry in general or world copper, Welcome to have one-on-ones with anyone at any time. Happy to do that. And I can uh, present it in a very easy to understand manner. Uh, but yeah, get in uh, on assets you like if you're interested and then just see where they are in a few years. And you'll likely be quite happy with the results uh, with the way the copper market in particular is heading. 
Absolutely. I was reading on the website, you guys are primarily focused on uh, world-class copper assets in Chile. Is Chile the mo- the, the main place that uh, the copper is being sourced from? Oh, yeah. That's something, too, that I, I'm not sure people are, are fully aware. Chile, so, you know, this tiny strip of a country in South America, a uh, relatively small player globally, produces 30% of the world's copper and has 25% of the world's copper reserves. Uh, so it is, and that's a product of geography, uh, right, and geology. So, you know, similar to why all the oil, a lot of oil is found in Saudi Arabia, for example. It just so happens it's found in Chile. Uh, eight of the 10 largest copper companies in the world operate in Chile. I think six of the 10 largest mines uh, in the world operate in Chile. Uh, the largest mine in the world operates in Chile. It's called Escondida. That single mine makes 5% of the world's copper and there are over 2,000 copper mines operating in the world right now. So you can give you an idea of the scale. So it's a great jurisdiction to be developing a copper project in. And we have a very good project there in our Escalonis project. Yes. Yeah, it's it, uh, that's uh, extremely interesting. I had absolutely no mm-hmm. idea, but that's why I podcast so that I can learn uh, new, th- new things uh, you know, that, that, that I don't know. So um, let's talk about the world of startup for, for a second here. In, yeah. in your experience, you know, what, what would you say has been the worst part of the startup process? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of aspects, you know, getting the marketing, getting attention uh, on your story. For us, we're we're a public company, so we depend. Uh, it's not so much going to private investors, although we do have one-on-ones, but we have to keep marketing to people to invest in, in the exchanges. I would say that funding, you know, financing is probably something you hear a lot. Getting, uh, you know, where's the next dollar going to come from to keep things pushing along and developing is always uh, something that's hanging over your head, and you're wondering, you know, you get a little bit of runway, and then you're thinking, okay, I got to do it again and the market conditions have to be right and you have no control over those types of things sentiment has to be there uh your share price is very open right it's publicly traded you can't go into a, a boardroom uh investment room and say i think my company is worth this you should get give me this type of valuation for it well i mean you can but it's not going to yeah. go so well <laughs> yeah because they can say i can just go buy it in the open market right sure. and uh and that's what makes it tough uh, so yeah, that that's I would say the biggest challenge and stressor. Uh, you know, when we're thinking about uh, the analogies between us and, and a, a typical startup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, what would you say the best part of the startup process has been? Oh, so many good things there. You know, meeting people, the team that you put around, the the fire and passion that everybody has to want to do something and and make something big and special. Uh, and then when you actually pull it off and you, you know, you finally close that deal or sign that agreement, uh, that that is a tremendous feeling of accomplishment, because especially in my position, uh, you know, that you you were you helped to coordinate it all and and and, and lead the process and make sure that people were performing uh, to their highest potential. And also for me personally, I love to see personal development myself and, and the team around me. So as we develop these things, uh, you know, I see my personnel develop as well. And that really makes it very rewarding for me as a, as an individual. Sure. Absolutely. What would you say the grittiest part of the startup process is? The grittiest part. Yeah. I guess that's open to interpretation of what you mean by yeah. grit. Right? Yeah. Right? Well, grits, uh, you know, the, you know, the less than, the less than pleasurable part of the startup experience, the one that requires the work that nobody actually sees, I guess would be the, like yeah. if I was adding some context to it. 
Yeah, I guess it would be the, you know, the meetings, right? Because sometimes you get into these conferences and you are talking to investors one after another. And these are really smart, intelligent investors who know the space. They know all the questions to ask, uh, challenging questions. And they and you'll have a full day and then another day or sometimes three days in a row uh, just telling the same story over and over again. Sure. Uh, and, you know, you you kind of become on play, uh, push play and, and go yeah, on autopilot right? yeah. <laughs> until you get a question that really like you're like, OK, now I have to think about the answer to it. Right. Uh, but, you know, keeping your energy levels up there, uh, you know, people think you, you're flying to the to be fair. You, you get to we get to go to some really nice places. Right. Like uh, I was in Switzerland. Uh, you know, Toronto's nice. Sometimes London. Uh, sometimes like, he says <laughs> yeah, Toronto's nice yeah. sometimes Yeah, in the summer. <laughs> yeah, in the summer. Uh, but, you know, it's. uh you you think people think that you're going there and having a great time, but you're you're working like twelve hours a day, just talk constantly shaking people's hands and talking and stuff like that, and you don't really get a lot of time to enjoy yourself outside of that. So that's the 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 tough part to to keep things pushing along, right, and keep yeah. your energy levels going. Yeah, absolutely, most most definitely. Well, man, you guys are clearly doing work that matters, and uh, it's forward thinking. It's obviously contributing. Um, to uh, you know, the business world as well mm-hmm. as the environment, etc. So, wanted to encourage you to to keep up the great work and uh, with what you guys are doing there. Uh, any final thoughts for our listeners, Nolan? Yeah, I would just say you know probably people aren't that familiar with the mining space unless you know typically Canadian investors are generally very strongly and uh, are very highly invested in mining, but. Generally, for a broader audience, globally, not so much. But I would encourage people to take a look at uh, what mining does for the world. How you know, basically everything that makes up our society today comes from mining. Uh, we have a b- very bad reputation of being, you know, dirty. To be fair, right? Depending on the jurisdiction you're operating in, um, but w- we want to partner with people and investors and society to do things cleaner and in a more advanced manner and contri- contribute to uh, the growth of, uh, you know, like I said earlier, electrification and decarbonization. So, uh, yeah, the more people that are aware of the how the industry works, they can become, you know, consult consult with us. We can learn from each other. Uh, and, I, and I hope that people will take the opportunity. To, uh, this sparks some curiosity. Excellent final thoughts, Nolan. Thanks again for your time and uh, wishing you and the team uh, continued success with what you guys are doing. And I do appreciate you taking some time uh, to hang out with us today. Thank you. Anytime. You got it, Nolan. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. This episode is made possible by PwC. Businesses today face countless risks that could come from almost anywhere. Now you can stay ahead of the game with our risk management products and proactively manage threats before they become risks. At P. 
PwC, it adds up to the new equation. Learn more at riskproducts.pwc.com. That's riskproducts.pwc.com.